Hi. Hey, Mariah. How are you doing? I'm good. Alrighty. So here's the deal. <laughs> Mariah, I think a lot of people know Mariah. They've seen, and if they don't know Mariah, they have seen Mariah's work. And maybe they didn't even know it was Mariah's work. And I can, I can, yeah, absolutely. Because number one, Mariah has created, and this is a fact, okay? I've actually done the, the research. Mariah has created 97% of the gifts, like movie-related gifts that are online easily it's yes. true <laughs> they're awesome <laughs> so awesome. like if you if you if you see a movie gif <laughs> it's like there's a 97 percent chance this is highly yeah. accurate <laughs> i've done the work i've spent hours of research <laughs> um but seriously um she has made a lot of fucking gifts um but that is, and that as we have joked that will be her legacy um, yeah some of them have the old filmstruck logo and but quite a lot of them have yeah. no logo because i continue to make gifts as a freelancer so yeah so it's great there's ones there's ones you probably use that you don't even know it was me um so i so real quick i'll just say how long i've we've known each other and then mariah if you want to kind of tell people what you do what you've done but um yeah. mariah and i met we had been like interacting online probably 2010, 2011. We met in person in 2012. Yeah, I think that was it. And um, that was at the TCM Film Festival. So that would have been the third one. And, uh, and I do remember that we were sitting in a screening of a love story and you had yeah. really long hair then. Yeah, I did. And uh, Robert Evans was there. And that was a crazy QA. <laughs> he, he was being his most Robert <laughs> Evans self. Yeah. I've never seen someone so tan and he had his sunglasses on. <laughs> and hand to God, no one believes me on this, but Sumner Redstone was sitting in the back of that theater. I remember that. I know you remember it. Yeah. There were like, there were maybe eight people in this screening. And that's an exaggeration, but like there weren't many people there um, because it was up against I'm no angel. I can't believe I remember this shit, but like <laughs> I'm no angel was playing. And I'm no angel was in like a smaller theater. It was in a, it was in and theater four. Love Story which, was in a big theater and it was like yeah. ghost town in there. And you're like, oh. yeah, it was in the biggest of the multiplex, I yeah. think, which seats a lot yeah a lot and then the yeah. i'm no angel which is a pre-code and uh, may west may west it's like what are you gonna and do? they put it in like the theater that ha that has like four seats in it and yeah. so we were in that screening i hate love story with a passion but <laughs> yeah because i, I cannot I, thank you <laughs> i do not like ryan o'neill at all and <laughs> except um, for Barry Lyndon a little bit but I can't I can't abide tough. his his bullshit but <laughs> I will not <laughs> sanction his buffoonery but um but anyways we were there and that was great so we've known each other a long time Mariah's like 
you know, Jill was my, was my guru when I moved to Atlanta. She me helped you. me find my place. Um, her yeah, daughter well. made sure that there were no ghosts. No. <laughs> just real normal shit yeah <laughs> and uh yeah so um anyways so there's that so why don't you uh tell everybody a little bit about yourself yeah well so kind of November related but one of the first years that um a lot of non like people who had no idea who I was or vaguely knew who I was started doing November stuff was there was a check I think it was 2015 so it was like the sixth year and there was a Czech Cinematheque that did an November weekend or something and they referred to me as a professional cinephile like created by professional cinephile Mariah E. Gates so I like to um I like to keep that job title because my job title has changed so many times but um like so many times but the consistent thing is that I do I advocate for cinephilia (laughs) sometimes in corporate America and oftentimes not. Mm -hmm. I worked in corporate (laughs) social media marketing for almost 10 years um, for Warner Archives collection. And that was really great, right? Yeah, Warner Warner Archive collection, Warner Archive online, WB shop, WB consumer products for a hot minute, Um, Rotten Tomatoes, Flickster, if anyone remembers Flickster, I Mm -hmm. did a lot of stuff for them. Um, then it was a TCM and then I launched Filmstruck and Noir Alley and helped, I did probably 10 jobs at TCM that aren't on my resume. Um, cause that's not how that works. You don't get to put everything on your resume. And then I worked yeah. at uh, Netflix film for a few years. I did the global social media marketing for the Irishman. So if you saw literally anything on the internet about the Irishman, or if you went to the little Italy Irishman takeover, um, I won a fake award for that. But um, I was on the team that that put that together. There were about five, six of us that put that together. But um, anyways, uh, that's pretty much what I've done. And then I, like a lot of people in 2020, got I had my Howard Beale moment and realized I couldn't work <laughs> in corporate media mm-hmm. anymore. And I, uh, I guess the term now was quiet quit. But I basically just like waited until <laughs> Netflix decided to part ways with me and. Um, but I, I wasn't remember fired. that. We, we un, we I uncon- remember that well. That was a rough. We unconsciously, yeah, we unconsciously co- or consciously uncoupled, uncoupled um, as a, you know, <laughs> and I parted ways. And then ever since then, I went back to what I used to do, which when I before I got into working for social media, I used to have a blog. Um, that's where November started. I had a, a WordPress blog and a Tumblr, and very very popular film Tumblr. And um, so I went back to doing you know my roots, which was social media for fun and writing and um but I got people to actually pay me so I mm-hmm. um contribute to places like rodrebert.com and the playlist and emmy mag and uh, vulture and a lot of places anyone that will pay me to write about film and um every once in a while noir and silent film which is always wonderful and I um do some freelance stuff for criterion so there's a lot of things you've seen on the criterion socials that probably I made um and I'm actually doing a November uh with my name on it thing for them this year so that's kind of fun I've awesome the there's that's a awesome. 20 film um yeah compilation that went out today and then or what well, they were recording this and then each week I'm doing um a selection of slightly off the beaten path films so one week will be Japanese films that you know there's like Stray Dog and all that but this is like seven mm-hmm 
Japanese noirs that maybe you haven't gotten to yet. And then uh, same with French French noir. And then I'm doing a very nice. weird surreal kind of neo-noir where there's like a couple of like just crime films. And then there's a couple of like really weird things on there where I'm like, is it, it's, it's noir, but it's also like three other genres kind of neo-noir because, you know, people are having fun. So um, you can see that on the Criterion channel handles and that's awesome. That's That'll awesome. We probably talked about you. I, I hope we haven't talked shit, but if we didn't know it was you, we might have. <laughs> um, oh, and I'm working on a book of uh, yep. interviews. It's a photo and interview book for Rizzoli on uh, female directors. And so I've interviewed oh, nice. 17. I'm hoping to get to 20. I've got three last ladies I'm trying to wrangle. Working directors are busy. So, so and, and this is a because the topic of our show today is November, but I want to make sure that people are tying things together, but you did a year with women and that was 2014, 2015, 2015. 2015. And this is where Mariah spent an entire year only watching films that were directed, right? Written Mm -hmm. by women. Oh yeah. I remember that. Just directed. Except for except for November, where obviously that's a little bit harder. Although not now. Back then, I didn't have the the knowledge Mm -hmm. to do a whole month. Now I actually have a list on Letterbox that has eighty films directed by women that are noir or noir adjacent. Okay. Um, So if you wanted to do a a month that's just noir directed by women, you could. But at twenty fifteen, I didn't really have that knowledge um, yet, and Mm -hmm. uh, so I did written by. So everything I watched that month in 2015 for noir member was written by women yeah yeah awesome well what's what's funny is you you coined the term noir member and um we have as you've seen we have this little thing um yeah we're we're also howard beale not working for the man anymore um but um so so we're very jill and i have been very and it's not just you but very intentional about giving credit to people you know if we pick up on something we want to you know name the source uh that sort of thing so um you might have seen a couple posts where we put uh noir member created by our friend mariah gates and so i heard from a couple people and they were like man that is awesome mariah gates is like running this whole thing <laughs> so I had so we actually I, I showed Jill the uh, the sentence that we had in there. I was like, yeah, it's misleading. Let's reword that. <laughs> because it, I was like, we're doing this, can. and then Noir Member created by Noir. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm exactly. Right. Exactly. That's exactly. Right. And That's right. I was like, all right. She doesn't yeah. know it, but she's pulled the strings here. <laughs> well, um, you're a part of it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so you basically you've got it all going you've like and then yeah. you, you did like um well and it, mariah and i worked together well when i was doing stuff for filmstruck and streamline um yeah you know we kind of you know and then uh worked on a little something that'll never see the light of day <laughs> um, yeah jill, jill and i worked on a, a dead project that maybe someday when everyone else who was involved are actually dead themselves we can talk about it including get, all of get the... us drunk at a party and we'll tell you about it <laughs> i mean i've told enough i've told a small should. handful yeah. of people like offline you know and they're like what? yeah um, someday someday but, maybe it'll see the light of day we'll put on archive.org and be like we don't know how it got there <laughs> uh, that's right because 
I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but maybe we both have the completed files. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, so there's that. Oh, we don't have to edit that out. It's fine. We didn't say oh, anything. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's fine. It's fun. Um, I have anyways, no idea what you're talking about. So, is, yeah, so. you have zero idea. We'll just move we on. No, no idea. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, yeah. But basically, so you said that you, so when, well, tell us about November, like what yeah. year you created so, it, like what yeah. the hell, like what, what, where did like it come from? Angel, what like <laughs> angel came down from Noir Heaven and said, Mariah, let's do this. My so, child. Basically, um, it this as a lot of things, this goes back to the Great Recession. And I graduated from college in 20, 2008, just the height of it. And I also am like that's a wonderful time explain. to graduate college <laughs> yeah and I mean obviously <laughs> clearly I'm someone who floats around a lot I've done a lot of jobs I've never been like my dad wanted to be an archaeologist when he was eight and he did that for 40 years I've never had wow. that I'm a I'm a liberty gibbet I try lots of things I'm a an artsy fartsy person right so I'm always floating around so I, got, I, I studied comparative literature in French and I was like well, what am I doing with that I don't know and then I um this was the height of Project Runway. So I thought I was going to, I used to do fashion design in, in college, one of the student groups. So I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. So I went to art school like an idiot um, for a year, realized <laughs> I cannot draw a straight line. Like this sounds stupid, but I can't, even with a slide rule, I can't do it. Like literally physically mm -hmm. impossible for me to draw a straight we line. Need, we need and footage of you I'll doing I'll show this. you. <laughs> it looks horrible. So handwriting contest. You literally we just learned this I don't know about, about you. You're like, you're yeah, like I can't such do it. a talented person. Then you're like, I can't draw a straight line. <laughs> so you can't be a fashion designer if you can't pattern make and you can't pattern make if you no. can't draw a straight line. So no. I had an existential crisis in 2009, the very worst part of the recession. And I was like, like mm -hmm. in this horrible one bedroom, like it wasn't even a bedroom. It was, in, it was in the tenderloin of San Francisco. And I was like doing my dishes in my shower because my sink was broken. And my mom basically was like, I think you need to come home. And I was like, <laughs> my hometown is literally the middle of nowhere. It's three hours from everything. Um, and so that's what I did. I moved home. And, uh, and during that time, there's not a lot of jobs. There's like no jobs. So for a while, I worked at the newspaper selling ads. And I was a substitute teacher. And But there was not a lot of consistent work. And I was like, you know, 22 and 23. I didn't know what I was doing. So I spent a lot of time, as you do, listening to Richard Blade's first wave Serious FM station. Oh, nice, nice. And watching TCM because my mom had gotten satellite literally the day I went to college. And so I never got to watch TCM growing up. We never had it. And then she got it when I went She's to college. She's like, Mariah's out of the house. She's like, they're gone. We're getting TCM. <laughs> so um, so I, I split my time between this like four hour a day job and watching TCM, listening to 80s music and occasionally getting things from Rest in Peace, Disc, Netflix. That was most of 20, 2009. 2010, I got kind of serious about like catching up on the classics and um, well, I had CCM. And then in October, I did like all the universal monster movies and hammer horror and like all that stuff I hadn't seen. And I realized that like I had seen like Sunset Boulevard and the Maltese Falcon. And I was about like maybe to have and have not, which is not even really a noir. Like that was about it for noir. And I was like, this is dumb. I need to do this. So this is uh, 2010. So the resources were not much. 
Like I think maybe Eddie had his website, but he didn't really even have like a list on there. And so I used what a lot of people used at the time, the ever reliable IMDb uh, 50 greatest noirs <laughs> list, um, which if you look at it now, I look back at the original list, I found it on my Tumblr and I was like, oh, at least 10 of these films are not noir. But um, I have the original list on Letterboxd also, I can share that with you. And so I made this like flyer for my Tumblr and it was like, everybody do this challenge with me. It's these 50 noir films. I'm trying to watch them all. Um, I made a Facebook page. Uh, literally nobody did it except my friend Lily. Shout out to Lily and my friend Kristen. Lily watched, um, what did she watch with me? I think Lily watched Laura with me and Kristen watched mm. Odd Man Out with me. Nobody okay. else oh, wow. joined. One person in England found, this was like 2010, so it was really hard to find classics online. I couldn't find Body and Soul anywhere that John Garfield and somebody yeah. at a at a jumble, you know, like one of those, you know, jumble sales in England found Body and Soul and they DM me on Twitter and they're like, I found it for you. And it was like two days left before November was over. <laughs> so I got wow. that in at the very end. Um, but literally nobody did this with me that year. And then I think the next year I got a few more people and I was better with the hashtag and um, I posted like an insane amount on Tumblr. I created a side Tumblr called Film Noirs and Femme Fatales to try to like have double the posts and um, which it turned out was not a great thing because if you make a sub Tumblr, it, uh, the po post limit counts. You don't get an yeah. extra hundred posts. It's all the same. So I actually ended up not having more posts, but that's um, Mariah. Mariah <laughs> at one point, I don't know what it is now, but like, so so we were joking before we started recording the show yeah. that Mariah, after like years of friendship, found out my first name and like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it was like living a lot. But I found out <laughs> that Mariah basically ran like all these Tumblr accounts, like <laughs> for all of these various yeah. fandoms and things. I and had she was a like, lot. Oh, she was like, oh, did I not tell you that <laughs> I run the Tumblr for like, and it would be like some like insane shit. And I'm like, yeah. what? That Tumblr yeah. has like a good joke. So Mariah I had a very like popular her, Tumblr. Yeah. You, you're like your Tumblr, like not all the other ones that yeah. you did. Your Tumblr had what, like 60,000? 90,000. Oh, wow. My God. Yeah. Wow. It was a very popular Tumblr. To so, the point where people would like see you yeah. and go, They still hey, do that sometimes. You're, that sometimes. you're Mariah, right? You run the Tumblr. <laughs> like, sometimes what the hell? when I was, I have a boyfriend now for like three years, but when I used to be on the apps, I would, people would match with me and be like, are you old phone slicker from Tumblr? And I'd be like, yeah. Oh and then God. they'd unmatch with me. They just nice. wanted to find out if it was actually me. And then they would unmatch. And I'm like, well, <laughs> okay, great thanks um anyway anyways um so but eventually the tumblr it caught on on tumblr that was where it really caught fire and then live tweeting became more of a thing on twitter and so people what, started like to really 2012 started to do the the tumblr and then reddit took on and then when i got hired to work when i got hired to work at warner brothers i like incepted you know the warner brothers thing and i made warner archives mm. do it and i the wb shop guy was like flailing about like he always had to come up with um flash sales like that was his job it was like come up with a pithy 
it's it's Arbor Day, come up with a tree flash sale or like <laughs> stuff like that. So I was like, well, you know, Noir Vember, you could do like each week have a different Noir flash sale because Warner Brothers has all those Noir mm-hmm. digital, you know, just do an easy digital bundle to help you. So he did he did that. That's how Warner Brothers started doing it. And then other companies like uh, Get TV started doing Noir Vember because they had a lot of Noir because I think they're Paramount or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just a bunch of other um libraries really were the first sort of community-based places libraries and bars would do uh, libraries were libraries, awesome libraries libraries cool. yeah and libraries like should have bars though <laughs> yes well, the they librarians, should like they realized they could have like a noir screening series but also have crime fiction books and get people in and so a lot of libraries started doing it there's one in new hampshire that was like the first and i always want to go to new hampshire just to meet that librarian um and then it just sort of took off and people started doing it who didn't know who I was. And, and now there's like, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of events around the world. And there's like everybody to a Tubi this year has like, they have like almost 200 films on Tubi that are noir and over a hundred of them are like classic era noir. And I, w- awesome. I was thinking about how shitty some of the copies of the noirs that I watched at the mm-hmm. beginning you know, on like yeah. archive.org and stuff. Dupe and now of they a have dupe like, of a dupe of a dupe. Yeah, mm-hmm. now they have like the access that people have is yeah. like amazing, which I think also helps, you know, get more people to do it. Because when I was sure. doing it, it was like, you had to have your hands on a disc or whatever. And and now it's just like, you've got Tubi, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Criterion Channel, you've got Canopy, um, Neo-Noir, you can find them on, even Netflix has some Netflix originals that are Neo-Noir. Like, so there's an ability to, depending on what it is, what passive noir you want to do, it's easier now to actually just right. watch it. And I, I want to shout out the um, illustration community. The illustration community was maybe the first to really like turn it into a challenge because mm-hmm. a lot of illustrators will do quick drawings every day. That's just part of the the tools of keeping up your craft. Right. And a lot of illustrators around, I would want to, I want to say 2014 or 2015 started doing like, a noir challenge where they would do draw gumshoe, draw a hmm. film fatale, draw a murder That's scene, fun. draw a whatever. And um, so that was really fun to see because I was like, "That's not even that wasn't even what I had. It was supposed to be a noir a day, right?" But they're like doing a draw drawing a day, and then you know, wow. book readers started hopping on, and and now like the Battery Park Park in New York is doing like a weekly screening series. It's crazy. So. I feel like at this point, it's like I could be in a coma and no, I remember would just keep happening. Um, it's like it is an actual like, well, it's well, a habit that people right. have. Like, and, it's, and you're it's right. Even noir November right. holidays. That is just what it well, is. We now. were just talking about that, how this is like the trifecta of like. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just, it's a great movie watching time because it really yes. is. It's yes. like bam, 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 and it and there's is. a lot of interesting noir things that are horror adjacent and Christmas adjacent, mm-hmm. and so you can really so you can, really you can like, like totally work your way through. It's yeah. really it actually. I have works. a couple of lists that are like that too. I have the I don't know if I have a horror one, but I have a Christmas noir list. Um, so there's a lot of people like that listen. Well, listen to our old show and mm-hmm. that listen mm-hmm. to this show who are avid list makers yeah. and so they are going to love the so level lists. of detail so that have you so have yeah. um but the um what's funny about this is like you were saying that like there's people that like 
like don't know you they know november and they don't I would say the bulk of the people who do November have right. no idea who so I am. So I'm okay. Reminds, I'm, frankly, I'm yeah. okay with that because right. I honestly didn't know this was going to become a, like a, mm-hmm. I mean, I try, obviously I'm a marketer at heart. And so like, I was right. really aggressive in those early years of like using the hashtag and right. whatever. Um, but it wasn't out of like, ah, I want people to know my name. It was out of, I will, I love noir and I want people to know yeah. me. It's kind of why we do are, this. As, yeah. as you know, as classic film fans. Well, that's like getting, uh, getting Nathan new... Rabin. You know, Nathan Rabin created the Manic yeah. Pixie Dream Girl, you know, years ago. Wrote, yeah. uh, and I can't remember. It was. It was for Elizabeth Town. Review. That's right. Elizabeth Town, yeah. That's right. And so he wrote that review and then he, and then it just took off and then he, like regretted it like he like going back to it like regretted the categorization and then now I think is coming back to owning it again like so like the evolution of that because it went to places that he didn't necessarily like to go yeah yeah um but like that's something that a lot of people don't know but people even people that that I have talked to that are not that are normal they're not weird like we are <laughs> and they say manic pixie dream girl I'm like where the hell did you hear that you know like did, yeah do you know where that came from no so that's you have reached the ever yeah. like normal people are gonna start talking about November and they have no earthly idea what yeah, they're talking about it it's kind of cool if, if it gets people to watch film noir or read the books or whatever I think that makes me really happy because as you know, as classic film fans, getting people initiated, it sounds like a cult, but getting people into it is, unless they were like born with like parents, you know, that had them watching classic films, which is sort of how I got into it. My mom always had classic films on, on TNT back in the TNT days, but um, an American movie classics, rest in peace. Mm. But um, uh, it's, a, there's still, you know, uh, for certain people, especially with like the younger generations, there's still this like, ooh, black and white, ooh. Like they won't watch things that are more than 10 years old sometimes. Sure. But noir in particular is an easy genre to get people mm-hmm. into because it's so damn cool. And you see a cool image or a cool gif and you're like, what is that? And it lures people in and then they get, you know, and then there's hundreds, if not thousands of films for them to watch. And so it's there's so it's a many really easy way to get yeah in. and then maybe not everybody who does it will stay but maybe they'll they'll watch enough Elizabeth Scott like noir to get into her other films and then they'll fall for Bogart and then they'll fall for right. Lauren Bacall and then they'll fall for Gregory Peck and the next thing you know you know the, they have um what's that guy that's on my <laughs> Henry O'Neill they'll have Henry O'Neill as their number one letterbox star <laughs> like, like I do <laughs> Mar- Mariah's like text to me like I can't believe it but there's <laughs> if I watch three more Henry O'Neill movies, he's gonna dethrone Joan Crawford, and I'm I'm really upset. But it is I mean, what it is you, at this point. But it, yeah, you can't. That man is cannot, in so many Warner Brothers films. Yeah, like, cinephile problems. Can't stop yeah. it. Yeah. No, no, that's great. And so, um, and then, so how are you spending your millions that you made from? This? <laughs> I I've made no money. <laughs> I mean, um, I've made no money. Yeah. Well, we should mention she because has a never... Substack. And, yeah, um, yeah, you do. Substack. And how are you spending the millions from your Substack? <laughs> Actually, honestly, all the money that my paid Substack gets is basically the amount that Miss Fanny's tuna costs my cat. So the Substack 
subsidizes my cat's diet. So if you like, that means number one, you need to subscribe. Number yeah. two, if you unsubscribe, you are starving. You are starving cat. my cat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that's literally not how I pay for her food. You're a femme so, fatale or. Um... That's right. Like that is we're and we are not going to tolerate that. So <laughs> don't. Um, so um, what I was going to ask you about next, and this is, you know, a topic that you know very well, mm-hmm. um, is women. Yeah. In noir. Yep. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the, you know, the way that women are portrayed, we'll just talk about in film in general, um, is a problem. Um, and Mm -hmm. we know that there are more men making films than women, um, because they are now it's changing and you have been you've been integral in putting the focus on that but in the history of cinema it's still been not the same yeah it's disproportionate so we know and the people that were writing these movies were predominantly men producing them directing them all of it men 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 a lot of dick and so um basically you have women that are being now and some of these the source material is from you know um uh, novels or whatever again written by men but some of them are from novels written by women some some are some are yeah and and, Mm -hmm. yeah so so what i'm getting at is that the the gaze is typically male and the women who star in these films um are no good they're they're terrible I, I guess in the the in roles the, are fantastic and so yeah, i guess speak to that in, some in the um theory getting into theory sorry people yeah. in the theory <laughs> uh when they, for, people were first sort of writing like the french as a lot of film theory comes from we're writing about film noir and they they coined this phrase um the sort of agreed upon read of a lot of these films was that these women were as poisonous as they were because it was sort of a reaction to um a lot of men coming back from war and feeling out of place feeling mm-hmm. um like they can't connect with the world anymore um and specifically in America as as we know a lot of women went into the workplace um in during the war obviously they had war jobs like in factories and things and a lot right. of those women got pushed out got pushed back out mm-hmm. that's shitty but mm-hmm. a lot of the women who got office jobs kept those office jobs and so the workforce shifted dratic- drastically and you know men didn't necessarily emasculated you know they felt emasculated mm-hmm. they didn't feel great yeah so there was um, and, and this was starting in the 30s too. You saw a lot of a lot of women would get office jobs if they weren't married. Because well, if you were married, you couldn't get an office job in a lot of places. Oh, like you've got to crap those babies but, out. And yeah, but make a lot a more casserole. a lot more women started joining yeah. the workplace in the 30s when a lot of these novels were written. Like 20s, 30s was when you first really started to see an influx of not just like because um, like there were always shop girls, but of women who went to college started getting jobs as opposed to going to college to get your MRS. So even the crime novels pre-war mm-hmm. started to have these complicated 
uh, representations of, of women and men disliking women. Or a you know, great example um, that I love is Laura, which was written by Vera Casperay. And it is about a working woman who defies all the men. And in the book, you get you get McPherson's version of her. You get um, what what is his name? I just forgot. Um, oh, um, the Artie guy. The, 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 li- li- yeah, You get Lydekker's version of her, and then in the book, the third section is Laura's Laura, and the book is amazing because hmm. she is she is such a ballbuster and unapologetic, and Vera Casperay clearly loves these kind of women. In the in the movie, which I also dearly love, you don't quite get that. You really get the male ver only the male version of Laura. You never really get Laura's Laura. But um you saw you saw in the women you had more complicated women characters. And in the men ones by men, you had these complicated women characters that the men were reacting poorly to. And not always in like, for example, Raymond Chandler, his women are complicated and the men are acting poorly, but Raymond Chandler clearly loves these women and really supports them. And so I think the tension in a lot of these adaptations is the source material is trying to be a lot more complex. So you get that complexity, but then the production code is like, no, these women need to be punished. And so you get kind of a mixture, um, except for like James M. Cain, where all, most of his women are just like absolute garbage women um because he was inspired by a lot of garbage women um like real real stories you know like um postman always rings not postman always rings twice what's the other one um no it was postman's Rings. one of those books one of his books was inspired by an actual like murderous woman oh double indemnity that's inspired by a real yeah, like, yeah, murderous yeah, yeah. woman um so uh, the point being that you you ended up with this like needy like bitchy women and the actresses who cut their teeth a lot of them in pre-codes with similarly wonderfully bitchy women like Barbara Stanwyck um like eight so hard in the 40s yeah. like they had all these great roles Betty Davis you know had yeah. letter and the petrified forest and um you just really see women that are undeniably amazing but also a lot of times uh, cruel and vicious and using men mm-hmm. for everything they can get and it's so you watch them and on you're a little like oh no this is misogynistic but on the other hand you're like you know what I want to be this woman even if it means I'm gonna be sent to the gas chamber <laughs> you know and so that's kind of the fun of watching watching these films well and then by the time you get into neo-noir you start to have these same mm-hmm. complicated women and less punishment because like women are right. allowed to be a little more complex yeah but sometimes punishment. it's funny that there are times where the playing field will be even for a yeah. stretch and then sometimes and uh, and it really depends i mean you can't make a blanket statement like this with noir but there yes you know there, there's a power there's in the social setting like yes there's a power imbalance but in this post-war you know the men coming back like you said they are just like what the hell what do i do right yeah and so it is always really cool yeah it's sexist as all get out they're calling these women dames broads whatever yeah but she is t- like like almost weaponizing that like she's yeah. feeding on it weaponizing it and you do see like the playing field even and then she may go, you know, she may rise up and be the one with, um, you know, because she double crossed him or whatever. And so the power dynamics will flip back and forth, you know? Yeah. 
Um, so that's always fun, but yeah, that's somebody's got to pay for it at the and end. And um, one actress that I feel like a lot of people who do Noir Vember for the first time, the actress that more often than not, people are like, why have I never heard of her is Elizabeth Scott. Like yeah. she, mm. cause she had what, like what, 12, at least 12 films that you would call noir. Yeah. Um, and, and Marie Windsor, like those are the two where people come out of noir Marie and they're Windsor. like, oh my Marie God. Windsor was in like 20 noir films and like kills it every time. Um, you have a, what is it? You have glass where your heart should be or whatever that line is in the killing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you have dollar signs where your heart should be. That's a great line. Um, she's so horrible in that movie, but, um, it's always fun to see people discover these women for the first time. And, and I think find, uh, really attached to the strength rather than the sexism, like the yeah. sexism is there. And I think if you were exactly. a classic film fan, you realize there's a lot of things that are not okay. <laughs> Um, sure. But there's a lot you can sift out and attach to and find inspiration in. And, and I think exactly. the power well, that's of what we're doing is, is what you that's get. That's what we're you know? doing with almost everything we watch. You know, even if you watch a film, like, you know, we know that like not all sexism or racism or or whatever is as blatant as smacking a yeah. woman in the face or blackface. It's usually, sometimes it's um, more innocuous like it'll be a line like you know they'll say Mm -hmm. something like well that's mighty white of you and you may not even like hear it right yeah but or it or it blends it because it's it was just kind of like part of the unfortunately part of like the vernacular exactly so but and so when you watch these things you kind of like you're able to the first time you're like what just got said you know and so sometimes that is kind of takes over and you and it's hard for you to to focus on okay well what can we pull out here but once you're like in the language of the of film at the time you know mm-hmm. and you are familiarized with it then you can go okay there's actually some really really good stuff here and um especially if you can contextualize it with what yeah. was going on um so also like you know it's sometimes tough watching I think most of our listeners are are used to watching classic films but um when you go to like screenings there's always people at these that laugh right because yeah, yeah. especially I like terrible screening of um um shoot what's the Orson Welles one with with Heston Oh, um, uh, touch, touch of evil. Touch of evil. evil. Yeah, I went to one, and unfortunately, it was like eleven o'clock at night at the um, Red Vic, which no longer exists in San Francisco. And everyone there was just like stoned or drunk, and they weren't really there to see the movie. They were just there to be, mm. you know, in a place. Yeah, that sucks. Like, I don't recommend that. Yeah, and so it, it, typically it's like melodramas, and then Although you and then laugh at Heston in brown <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, it's <laughs> and horrible. That was not- he- that was not Orson Welles's. He did not want to do that. That was a studio that made him do that. And he did the dying day. It was like, that is the worst thing the studios ever made me do. So don't, don't yeah. get mad at Orson Welles. Get mad at the studio. And yeah. Heston was pretty much an asshole in that Heston movie. Heston was an was, asshole to everybody. His wife. You can always boo him. You can it's like, why don't him. you go to your wife's hotel? She's just there the whole time. Heston, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's like, so I would say, so like in, in my like movie go and Mariah, I know you would agree with me on this. It's like film noir and 
melodramas tend to get like the most laughs you know because yeah. it's it, so, the dialogue is so stylized the dialogue the are yeah. so heightened yeah. so I would encourage anyone who might be watching this who is new to film noir especially we get into like the deep cuts the dialogue is like sometimes it is like really out there and yeah I mean I mean, Double Indemnity is a great example of this. And I've seen this with an audience probably three times. And they never fails, gets a laugh when he first goes to the Dietrichson home. And I'm not giving anything away if you haven't seen it, but he goes Mm -hmm. to the Dietrichson home. It's like in the very first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And he's going there to to see them about insurance uh, because he's an insurance salesman. And he talks about they live in one, of, and I, I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but they live in one of these like Spanish mansion or villas or whatever mm-hmm. that cost, and the number is like insane, yeah, like I don't know, like ten thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars, which was a fortune, you know, in 1932. Yeah. But everybody laughs because, and I've seen this house in person. I mean, this is, this is like a multi-million dollar home now, but that always, so I guess what I would say to everyone that's watching these movies uh, for the first time is like, totally give yourself over to it. Like just immerse yourself in the world and it's a much better experience, you know, instead of trying to like adapt it to our modern uh, vernacular and behavior um Aaron do you want to take the next section on the favorites I thought we could get into that although I I would like to share one thing with Mariah um that uh we experienced with uh Imogen Sarah Smith on our old show and she's still a friend um and she I I think it, it has to be uh like really really impactful seeing it grow and I'm sure you know um I'm glad you didn't do it like Taco Tuesday, <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and it's kind of out of your hands now. And when we were talking to Imogen, of course, Imogen is an expert in all things film, but you know, she gets um, uh, she's re- really into noir, and I, I love that she's in an international noir as well. As well, but I, I can't remember the way she phrased it. She, I think, she said that like noir member is basically like her busy season. It's like the accountant accountant's tax season. Yeah. Um, and same same for Eddie and all all these other people. So um so that that's got to feel special, doesn't it? Get people work. Yeah. The funny thing is I feel like every noir expert except me makes money in noir member. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is great. They, you know, there's a lot of academics who like they got they have like a PhD and they need to pay their bills cuz you, you know. Mm. But um but okay, no. so everyone it does, it listening. Does, to answer your question, though, it does feel really good to know <laughs> that um, people like her who have a really breadth of knowledge yeah. have been able to get paid to guide people with that knowledge in a way that maybe right. 10 years ago she couldn't. I think that is amazing. And yeah, so will, let's get Mariah. Every, some... every academic should be able to do that um, because it's so much work and it's so much. Um, brain power yeah we got to get mariah some work so if you are looking for (laughs) november related yeah uh let's let's uh let's get mariah some let's let's get her (laughs) making some money off of this okay Mm, so come on and cat food too it's uh, gotta keep the cat fed (laughs) that's right gotta feed Uh, the cat yeah miss Uh, fanny's done eight 
eight noir members now, I think. Something like <laughs> what's, that. What's her favorite noir? What is her favorite? She, you know what? She really liked Nocturne. She watched that like whole that. movie. That was a couple years ago. That's, That's the one. Cool. Um, who's who's the guy in that? I think it's um, Richard Conti, maybe. But oh, um, that, that one, it's, it's right. got LA stuff and like beautiful piano music, and she really enjoyed that one. So. What's funny is noir's gotten so popular, and I think noir members are a big. So yeah, take responsibility. You deserve it. Um, but. Uh, you see all these boxes, of course, we'll probably talk about a couple and we love them, but you know, kind of the joke is like, you just take five noir movies and put them in a box and it's going to sell and or you just will buy them. Put, oh, right. yeah. Or you yeah. put noir in a film festival. People are going to show up. People are gonna so. go. You know how many of these noir box sets I've bought? And I'm oh, like, so like none of the movie. Like, and I'm like, I don't even know what the hell it is, but you put noir on it. I'm there. Like, we we yeah. actually, um, Eddie's noir city, Chicago this year at the music box here in Chicago, there were three sold out screenings. That's crazy. Uh, and every single film was from 1947. Three, three complete wow. seats. One of them um, it was Jimmy Stewart's call Northside 777, yes. I think. Mm-hmm. That's a Chicago film. It was filmed on location yeah. here. And um, so they wrote about it in the Tribune. And not only did it sell out, they had to turn people away. There wow. was a wait list. Like, if people didn't show up, they would get you on there. I think maybe 10 people got in from the wait list and a bunch of people just got drunk at the at the music box lounge. <laughs> they they couldn't I mean, see Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> they were like, well, uh, I'll just go in here and have me a beverage. That's pretty much what um, happened. Yeah. I know, I know. So, okay, this is tough. This is tough, but we got to go there. Favorites? Yeah. Oh God. Well, so I have a list on Letterbox that is what I've dubbed my essentials, and it's 155 movies. Okay. Because so, I've seen, so I've seen hundreds. For the next but, seven but, hours, yes. we're going to talk about. <laughs> but I do have my, I do have my top five that when people yes. are like, I just want five. I I have whittled this down, and I have seen, as you know, probably close to a thousand films that you could call noir from the just from the the era not just counting the neo-noir and like the right noir. um so from the original era you know 42 or so to mm-hmm. 59 or whatever these are the five that i think i've watched the most i've rewatched the most i think about the most and i love unequivocally and the number one one is laura i have mm-hmm. seen laura on the big screen like six times like if laura's playing in a theater and i found out about it i'm there uh, one time Eddie showed it in San Francisco and he um, he had a double with Ivy, I think, but he could only screen Ivy once. So he showed Laura like three times or something. And I watched it all three times. I was like, what? Oh, fuck it. I'll just see Great it. Movie. I'll Great just keep movie. going. I'll just watch Laura over and over. Um, and like Dana Andrews' da- daughter was there. But I think Laura's perfect. Even though I think the book is better. I think the book is far more feminist. It actually is feminist, the book. Mm-hmm. Um, very complex character in the book. But I still love the movie. I love what Gene Tierney does with the character within the bounds of what, you know, Hollywood was going to let them do with this story. I think mm-hmm. Dana Andrews has is never better. I think he's pretty good in Fallen, Fallen Angel as well, but I don't think he's ever, like, basically, like, Laura, Fallen Angel, and um, Best Years of Our Lives are, like, the three best Dana Andrews performances. Clifton Webb mm-hmm. is so bitchy. Vincent Price is, like, the height of his, like, wounded deer babeness. Man, Vincent Price in this in that movie 
if all you've ever seen is like Vincent Price's like horror it is so different he is so fey and so like you just want to protect him and well in Laura (laughs) and then in Lever to Heaven in both of them because he's in Lever to Heaven he comes in in that yeah 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 Yeah, in both of them it's just like what is happening I love every second of this yeah but oh my god like Ugh, so I, I love Laura and I do absolutely unequivocally recommend reading Vera Casper's book. It is one of my favorite books, like probably top 10 novels I've ever read. I've read it a few times and it gets better every time I read it. Um, Vera Casper, an underrated writer for the mid-century. And then um, the other one that I love, also from a novel directed by a woman that is also incredibly different, like the novel is one thing, the movie is something else and I recommend reading the novel as well, is uh, In a Lonely Place, which in the novel by Dorothy B. Hughes, it's about women's intuition and how that is not like listened to. And then also how PTSD from World War II has caused a lot of killing machines who were then put right back into society without any kind of like help after right. we turn them into killing machines. That is not In a Lonely Place the movie uh in a lonely place the movie is about uh film and how the film industry is horrible and that essentially instead of like the war causing people turning people into killers it's like the film industry turns people into killers, i mean which is fair it's fair nicholas ray was not wrong yeah yeah it's a really <laughs> it's a you know people like were mad at babylon for being a poison pen to hollywood and it's like in a lonely place is like just as vicious um, yeah. But it's Humphrey Bogart, and he's a writer. And it's what may- the bad and the beautiful he, wish it was. Yes. You know? yeah. He, yeah. he may or may not have murdered somebody. You don't know until the end. Um, and it's very different in the book, by the way. And then Gloria Graham is his, like, sexy neighbor. And she is, like, drawn <laughs> to his, like, masculine anger. And um, and then it has amazing, like, sporting performances and a lot of beautiful, like, Los Angeles location work and um, but it's it's like really romantic, but in a perverse way, which the best romances are, I think. <laughs> and um, it ends, and you will your heart will literally be ripped out. I have watched it many times, and it's uh, it's on our list. In fact, it was on our list twice because one of our uh, subscribers submitted it, and it was my choice. So there you go. It's like it. a perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect film. It's a. It's definitely mm-hmm. like if you read the book, you're like, wait this is not the same story at all. Um, but I think it's fine. I think I, they can they, they can both exist. And the movie doesn't negate the book and the book doesn't negate the movie. They both no. exist. And they're both great. Um, and it is, it is I think, Bogart's best performance. He's so unhinged. Yeah. Um, and you really see both mm-hmm. how unhinged he can be, but also how charming. Like, because some of his movies, right. he's like the romantic lead. You're like, mm. but in this one, you're like, you know what? I see it. I see why she's drawn in. <laughs> yeah, I see how I, I like, do it. Girl, <laughs> yeah, you're in danger. Like you gotta he's go. Like really hot in this movie. Um, yeah, I think I think that's where he for me, Jill and I were talking about noir actors yesterday. And um, you know, there's so many actors and actresses, and I I love Graham. Um, I just learned that Graham was actually considered for born yesterday. That blew my mind um, because yeah. I mean, I know, of course, that's as far, far away from a noir as you can get. And I was like, at first, I was like, what? And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, that actually might have worked, but you know, not, you can't take holiday away. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, so Bogey, we were kind of talking about how um, 
the studios had no fucking idea what they had for so long. And well, even when they long time, long time, my God, no clue. And even when he like broke out, I, of course, he's not he's like the heavy. That's not the pe- type of persona that people uh, would get cast as leads. And, you know, Mousy's Falcon, um, Big Sleep, he's basically playing an archetype of himself. I mean- even well, after he did Casablanca, they still yeah. were like, yeah, putting him in terrible. Not, yeah, I mean, um, I think his work with Houston, mm-hmm. aside from In a Lonely Place, they understood each other. Like they yeah. were like oil and water, but also, yeah, he got what to do with him on camera. Yeah, they yeah. knew he knew, and they fought like hell. They got drunk right. all the time, but like he got, I think, ultimately he was the best director for him. And I think he, mm-hmm. he, he, yeah, but like the Warner brothers had no clue. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they had him like playing. He's like, I want to say gangsters. he's in like, well, yeah. he had gangsters. Kid which, Galahad. Which fine. Yeah. He was, you know, he's, he's like, he's fine in roaring twenties, but like, yeah, he doesn't need to be playing second fiddle to Cagney. He needs no. to be the main exactly. dude. Exactly. He needs to be Duke Van T, motherfucker. So, you know, um he's anyways. a unicorn, really. And and of course it's kind of tired by saying, um, you know, Bogey's your favorite no, no, actor. No, but he's there is no he's... one like him. No. And exactly. there is no, you know, how everybody goes, Oh, well, Tom Hanks is the modern Jimmy Stewart, which I can't. Yeah, like nobody is, like, mm-hmm. nobody is Humphrey No Correct. one is a nobody. is a Bogart. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. one. Um, yeah. Okay, so you've got so you've got in a lonely place. You've got Laura. Yeah. So my next two are also from 1950. Like 1950 okay. is a sweet spot for me, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, they, you know, and I love the mixture of like the Hollywood glossy ones and the and the more independent ones. Like I love it all. But um, the ones that I return to tend to be slightly glossier, and that's it is what it is. Um, so the next one is Sunset Boulevard. It was one of the first noirs I saw. I did not see this original noir member. I got it from Netflix when I lived in my Tenderloin apartment. And I was like, what? Because my mom loves this movie. And she's like, you have to. I had just seen Born yesterday. And she's like, oh, I love her in that. But you got to see mm-hmm. Gloria yeah. Swanson. Because I don't. She, my mom was like, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know who to choose with between the two of them, um, let alone Betty Davis. And so I was like, oh, I got to see this. And I watched this movie three times in like 24 hours because I'd never seen anything like it. It's so bizarre. Gloria Swanson is like a creature Mm -hmm. from another planet, from another time. Even if you watch her silent films, which obviously I have seen now, she's like that silent version of herself times 11, like, like turned up to 11. Like she is in there. I don't know. She's another, another being in this movie. And I think it's some of the best character work that William Holden ever got to do because it's such a complex character um nancy olsen's great obviously yeah. eric von stroheim is like a dead oh my god and they play queen kelly i love that little yeah. easter egg and it's just and let's just talk about the chimp i mean the chimp is so weird <laughs> like wow. like it's like truly you show up at her house and she's like having she an undertaker yeah. pull a chimp out dude you run away you should just not be there yeah I, i'm it's, so sorry about it, my dogs i think i'm having something delivered <laughs> and sugar's trying to protect me from whatever evil like lies outside this the door is a, this is a movie that every time i watch it remains as perverse as perverse as it was the first time i saw it 
So um, I don't know. I just love this movie so much. Uh, Billy Wilder, obviously, is like un un uh, assailable filmmaker. Like, there's no one like him anymore either. You know, and no one. Um, yeah, we'll be talking so, about him uh, at some point. I, 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 I love Billy Wilder. So. I, I don't know. And it's another one where it's like the dark side of Hollywood and the, they mm-hmm. don't pay writers and they still don't pay writers. So things have not changed. Um, no, not really. At, at all. That's, but I also yeah. love, as I've gotten more um, of an expert on silent cinema, I love the way that like Nancy Olsen's character is supposed to be like a third generation Hollywood yes. person in mm-hmm. 1950. And she talks yeah. about her grandma being like a stunt writer in the silent era. And like, that's, one of those things where they knew about that then but they barely uh-huh. talked about it billy wilder made sure it was in there and then that is today, that is that is wilder and bracket yeah, yeah. And today that. you still yeah. don't know he did yeah like, you don't have people talking about like pearl white yeah. like they used so to. that is insider right. baseball shit right there like straight yeah. up so that's what i love about especially the wilder films with him and bracket and then later with with um diamond diamond, diamond. um yeah. izzy diamond you know like yeah, you get so many little nuggets there mm-hmm. of the yeah. just absolute trash of all and the and the the wax <laughs> the the wax works and it's these like amazing silent film stars that you know Buster Keaton amongst them who were legit movie stars, but by 1950 Hollywood like they're a joke. Yeah. And, and it's and it's Billy Wilder. Well, and Swanson was a joke. Yeah, I mean, Swanson yeah, she, was a joke. She so, was in New York on a TV. She had a TV show. She was making like two hundred fifty a week, which yeah. is yeah. a little more than you know. Then that also shows that Wilder, you know, what Wilder valued. I mean, mm-hmm. that he that he brought her in from that and and convinced and then her tailored to the it. role and then tailored the role for her so like she that's right makes fun of her own career with the queen kelly clip but right. also right, when she dresses right. like a bathing beauty and when she dresses a chaplain because they were both at sna studios together here in chicago and so it's very filled with like as you said insider baseball about silent hollywood mm-hmm. and the way that hollywood just rejects it discarded it her. discards I mean, it discards mm-hmm. talent and then same thing with uh, character right <laughs> and then, then how he got demille writer. i mean we're just spoiling know, the yeah. hell out of this but yeah like how he got DeMille, i think everybody's seen it <laughs> um like demille's great i mean man, he's playing himself what's he's interesting himself. though mm. they they approach pickford um and they i know they approach polo negri yeah um both of which would be awesome in a different way, but yes, Swanson, it felt like that was no. It was create. I mean, it's it's her. There's no one else. She's the best. I just cannot see best. anyone else yeah. doing that. Yeah, I think Pickford was just drinking all the time. So yeah. Uh, oh, uh, how many more in your top five? Two, Sorry, two more. Two. Yeah, yeah, two more. Go. So then, um, I, on the low budge side of things, I absolutely love Gun Crazy. Joseph Ace Lewis's nice. Gun Crazy. John Dahl and Peggy Cummings and it has this probably the greatest single take bank robbery at least least in the high high five of it but I think I think it's my favorite like bank robbery slash single take in noir it's I I watch it and I'm like how did they film I still don't know I don't want to know I don't want one of those YouTube explainer videos Mm -hmm. I like to be (laughs) every time I watch it I'm like how did I do this because I like to have a little magic um and Peggy Cummings is like the greatest evil yes like she is pure out for her and her Mm -hmm. alone and she eats hamburgers like a boss and 
she will like, I love a dame that just slams hamburgers at a at a coffee <laughs> yeah. shop she's like another again she, this character this performance is like on a whole other level that no longer exists and barely existed at this time it's yeah like stunning stunning and they had like no budget and also the end of this movie is completely ripped off in bonnie and clyde they like, almost shot for shot the same yep. ending um, yep. so it's, it's the a very ending is film. is insane yeah i don't know how they insane. did it insane I, I don't know how they did it brilliant film it's movie magic yeah mm-hmm. yeah made for like no money Justin Bates Lewis, he's just like cranking them out. And then if we want to go to my last one, this yeah. was one of the ones I watched that first year and I rewatch it every year and it has my favorite rap bastard of all time in it. It is Sweet Smell of Success. Alexander oh. Kendrick. The rap bastard is Tony Curtis. Um, although Hunsicker played by Burt Lancaster could mm-hmm. also be described as a rap bastard. They're kind of both are. But um, and then Susan Harrison is like her one role, but she she eats it. She is so good that she runs away with the movie at the end. Um, it's it's a really interesting film about um, the power of media and the power of spin, but it also has a lot of um, a lot of uh, criticism of class, criticism of race, criticism of hierarchy in entertainment. Um, it's one of those movies you watch it now and you're like wow we're still being manipulated by the media <laughs> like mm-hmm. um you know like uh, hunsicker could be the equivalent of like um what's that guy on fox news that's tucker carlson right he's spinning yeah. like anything and people will buy whatever hunsicker says they will buy it the same way that the tucker carlson watchers will doesn't matter what he says they won't look it up they won't see if he's wrong um it's, it's terrifying great film was it throw the fish in the uh, there's so many quotes <laughs> in that movie it's yeah the, and there's um, so much great dialogue you're a cookie um, full of arsenic <laughs> yeah a cookie full of arsenic um uh yeah. you, you throw the cat in the river what was that um yeah, yeah. cats in the back yeah bags in the river oh i love that line i, I so also want that's one of my lines. favorites mariah so that i'm so glad yeah. you shared that that's yeah, some of and, the best writing, the film writing. Cinematography by James Wong Howe is some of the greatest oh. black and white cinematography like ever, um, literally ever. And it's just, it's a, definitely a movie where, other than Susan Harrison's character, nothing goes right for anybody and everything is terrible and the world is a terrible, awful, horrible place. And it's hilarious that Susan Harrison sort of walked away from Hollywood at the end of this movie because it mirrors what her character does. And it's like, she probably mm. saw enough sausage being made while making this movie to realize that like, yeah, maybe she, th- this is not a place for good people. <laughs> What's funny is that doesn't check the boxes of, of every noir. Um, you know, it's kind of, Oh, well, I mean, Kendrick of course was a great director, but, um, but it's, you know, I, I guess there's really not a femme fatale in this one. Um, yeah. There isn't really a femme fatale. It's really, unless you want, to read uh Sydney Falco as a feminine, which a lot of people mm-hmm. do. And there's a lot of queer readings of this film. Um so hmm. you can kind of see it that way. Or flip it and Hunsaker is the Femme Fatale. But um there's a lot of queer readings of this film. Shout out to all my queer friends who have written a lot about awesome. this being a queer narrative. Um it, I don't know if that's purposeful or not. Uh but it's if I feel like if you get that as a viewer, then it it's in there somehow. Um sure. Yeah. So I was going to rattle off my top five. Um, we have one crossover and that's gun crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just love it and I actually saw Peggy Cummins talk about yeah. this yeah it was great uh packed house at the Egyptian theater in Los Angeles and it was like just insane yeah. um also I have um double indemnity mm-hmm. um so like mm-hmm. minor like gun crazy's low budget but then like the ones I go back to over and over and over again are like the stu- the big studio ones, yeah. but I do really enjoy like the gritty B. Yeah, um, like a, a B movie I love Same. that I'd love to shout out real quick is Too Late for Tears. That al- yes. is almost always in my top ten. It yes. quite make my top. Five, it is so good. Best list. I love. I love Raw Deal. I love. Yeah, yeah like, they're, they're so 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 good. Um, but, um, so double indemnity is there. That's probably, um, it, that's a, t- that's like mm-hmm. maybe my favorite, uh, just because it's got it all. Yeah. Like it has it all. It has, it's got so much murder. It has like double cross upon double cross upon double cross. Mm-hmm. And another it's one where that's anklets. based on a great, great book. It's actually yes. a pretty faithful adaptation too. And it just like, and what they, what Bracken and Wilder were able to get away with in, uh, that's 42 is insane. And this is actually on the very early edges of that defined noir. Cause really you think like peak noir is like, you know, Warren's right. And then into the late fifties. So this is on that like kind of early edge. Double indemnity is 44 actually 44 okay yeah, so like kind of right early. at the end of the war right at the end right. of the war so yeah. still like at the beginning of of where we get into peak thank you I'm, i don't know why i'm thinking 42 yeah. but whatever 44 yeah. okay then white heat oh yeah white oh, good heat. One. Um, good one. by yeah. raul walsh starring james cagney and edmund o'brien edmund o'brien is so like cagney's great love cagney he mm-hmm. is just like cody jarrett it like <laughs> what how do you describe cody jarrett um he's a psychopath yeah. and he has migraines and loves his mom and um that's chill yeah so <laughs> you know he's just you, you he just it. he just really loves his mama and um but edmund o'brien is so 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 good in this and like probably up with John Payne is my favorite noir actor um and then I have Murder My Sweet mm-hmm. which is actually my mm-hmm. background here I named a drink Murder My Sweet it is <laughs> uh Dutch chocolate ice cream milk mm. and bourbon Okay. Um, you mix cheers. It I will let you enjoy that. And, it's good. It's good. I um, called the murder my sweet. Um, but yeah, so he's so this is what I love about Dick Powell is like he had basically two distinct eras in his yeah. career where yeah. he was like the cute like song and dance man, and he's like writing a musical and he's getting his girlfriend to star in it. And she walks in and he goes something about how she's seen him in his BVDs, you know, and he's really cute or whatever. And la, 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 you know, buy a waterfall or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the one is, um, heading in the park. Heading in the park. Yeah. And, um, 
And then I only have has, eyes for you. That was yeah. Song. I only have eyes for you, and it's all. And you should hear my husband Thomas uh, do his dick pal. He's like, I only have <laughs> eyes for you. It's really bad, you know. Pratton in the park. Oh my. Anyways, um, so in he's he plays Philip Marlowe in um Murder My Sweet, and everybody's like, what? Because that's bogey, right? Everybody yeah. thinks of bogey. And um, or like uh Elliot Gould in uh The Long Goodbye, you know. So like, but you have song and dance man Dick Powell, and he's so good. He's yeah. so so good. And then and he's, Lech- he's got a lot of great noir performances. Yes, fantastic. Yeah. And then he actually starred in like I think it's noir. It's kind of fringy, but it's the Tall Target. Yeah, um, that's a western, which noir is for like sure. a western. It's yeah. like a western noir-ish. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. Um, and then my last one is William Wyler's The Letter, oh, which yeah. is just you open this movie with betty davis just like walking shoot, out and just man. like mm-hmm. somehow has like 14 bullets in this gun and she is sh- like firing them all so yeah um yeah so those are my favorites and the lace the lace thing that she, that she's one knitting the, oh if you've never God. seen it does have some racism that's hard to stump so. yes mm-hmm. but so, just yes. kind of put that over there the racism is crazy i mean they are on a rubber plantation in singapore? I, I think it's singapore but and then gail sonnengard is playing yes. eurasian and it's right and really, she's so good i mean she's she really good so and also good, it's like hard to see her face super yeah. super super cringy. super super yeah. yellow facey cringy so yeah. but just be aware of that um but it is it's really good it's really it's good. really good um so Aaron what about your top five well I misread the assignment so I I wrote I did a top five directors but I can I can oh, trans- that. no that works yeah do so it. um and th- this was tough because you know I, I obviously you know, you mentioned Wilder you know they're titans uh, so many great directors um so but I and I can uh, put you know name a couple of these too but Nick, nicholas ray obviously we talked about mm-hmm. in a lonely place um w- what i love about ray is that like every film of his whether it was noir or not kind of had that same edginess you know um bitterness like bigger than life yeah yeah, yes. yeah. E- everything I, I, like and he really took down domesticity and kind of like poked holes in the you know the whole nuclear family all is fine dynamic um i mean he was just a master and i'm I'm glad that like the french critics discovered him because i think otherwise he might not have um yeah we might not know his work as well um and speaking of which french critics the other one is sam fuller uh people on video can see that i have i'm trying to move my <laughs> my face around to see uh well Thelma Ritter there uh I think that's my favorite performance of her and she's one of my favorites yeah pick up on uh, South Street pick up on South that's Street on, yeah. that's like in my top 10 as well it's that great. movie is yeah. fire yeah and that's Woodmark, right Woodmark, it's Woodmark, yeah. Woodmark yeah. And, and Ritter and I, Woodmark um, I think, the, the love of my life and the thing is uh Ritter <laughs> yeah, he's so Woodmark weird is, I love him he's great in that too <laughs> uh, and Ritter is really not uh, I mean she's not the femme fem fatale she's uh, just a 
brilliant character. She is the most world weary person in all of noir, though. Yes. She has that like <laughs> line about how she needs to like get enough money so she can die. And I'm like, if that's not America, I don't know what is. <laughs> like she just yeah, wants to her. have enough money to like have her own little like burial plot so she's not in Potter's Row or whatever. And you're like, no. She should call but Walter Neff. Like, yeah, right. And that's like seriously, I mean that's what we're all working for is like to pay for to pay for <laughs> to our pay funeral. For our, I mean, our funeral. Yeah. Like, well, come on. I mean, geez. she's so good though. <laughs> yeah, She'll it's great. So it's I so um I also had Raoul Walsh, but I put him as an honorable mention because I just didn't want to have too many eye patches. So many great directors did okay, but Jean, with eye patches. His eye patch story is the best eye patch story. He got a car wreck on location <laughs> because the jackrabbit got like through the windshield. It's like uh, who who else lost their eye to a jackrabbit? Like how many yeah. eye patch oh, he was... directors are there? There's so many eye patch directors. There's quite a few. Lang and Ford, uh, Ford. Ford. Yeah, Lang, well, Fritz Lang is on my list too. But way I, I... towards the end of his life. Probably yeah. the big heat. I think Fuller too. Fuller late. And, and then you think about that, like how awful is that to like you're a director and then you I mean, we're joking about that, right? And that's part of their yeah. look, their aesthetic. But like that's yeah, that's how I mean they need their eyes. Yeah. I mean, they need to be able to see what so like think about I don't know. It's just that's very noir, actually. So mm-hmm. there you go. It is very noir. Mm-hmm. Look at me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I got so, one more. Um. Yeah. Uh, which is a no-brainer. Orson, of course. Oh yeah. Uh, Touch of Evil is Orson, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um. Top five of my you know all films, and I watched that one so much. And in fact, that Kino edition is great. Has four commentaries. Um. And and you were talking about one you know single takes. Hey, you know he. <laughs> Yes, that's that's like the movie. There's a yeah. ticking in my head. <laughs> yes, yes. And I just <laughs> like, love oh, no. <laughs> I love the dynamic between the border too. Like, you know, it's shot and acted differently depending on where the border what side of the border you're they're on. And you have to actually really keep that in mind. It's hard to follow, actually. It's um, another one weird. that's very perverse. It is, yeah. I watched yes. that one a lot. I probably probably of all noirs, maybe that in Sunset Boulevard, because I, I did I studied um did some studies on Sunset Boulevard in um in film studies class and that was actually to talk about how uh the film uh kind of the the uh not the ending of the studio system but kind of that it signified like the downfall of the studio system so that was a fun but yeah that's it uh and and uh yeah preminger was up there you already mentioned laura uh dasson i there's so many it's hard so tough to choose yeah. so and uh the intimidable ms ida lepino of course, OG Lady Noir director. We're yes, doing two we movies of hers, yeah, and one that. So we're actually oh, and an actor, yeah, ladies in retirement. Um, ladies in retirement, which is super fun, super fun, weird, weird. zooms in that one, yeah. yeah, super weird, and um, that is more kind of gothicy, um, as noir. what they call gas white, black gaslight noir. Yes, yeah. so um, that's going to be good. great, um. And we've got the bigamist and the hitchhiker. So mm-hmm. those are gonna the be bigamist great. has some of my favorite on location LA film film yeah. filming. It's she like she's awesome. the location so well. I, I great noir actress Roadhouse. too. 
I'm yeah. gonna put Roadhouse too. Yeah, Roadhouse suggested. is up. I and we're not talking again. about uh, the Patrick Swayze Roadhouse, no, the... which is great. It's a great movie. <laughs> Widmark and Lapino and yeah, Widmark Ooh. and Roadhouse. Let me just say, Mariah, you mm-hmm. know this. Okay, I saw that on Nitrate. It was great. I don't know if you were at that screening, but no, I've seen it, it in nitrate. 35 a couple times though, and it's yeah, like... and but Widmark is. A level of Widmark that is to say he's unhinged is like is yeah. like not that is like not at all accurate. He is like deranged to a power that is like no mathematician could figure it out. Like yeah, just beyond beyond. He is. I I was like per, like people were preparing me like, hey, you have to. Be, like Widmark in this movie is like his Widmarkiest. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. And then I was like, holy shit, this dude is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's great. So, really quickly, um, I just want to talk about Gloria Graham for a second. And um, Gloria so, Gloria Graham, um, you know, she's in, we were talking about her in a lonely place. And um, she also, I think, I don't know. I think at one point held the record for uh, winning the Academy Award for like literally, yeah, like nine minutes of yeah. It was one of the shortest. Or I think it was the shortest until um, Beatrice Street. Yeah, and that yeah. was on uh, Bad, um, Bad and the Beautiful. Um, so, Mariah, you <laughs> are kind of known for. <laughs> you know making sure you tell everyone pretty much in any situation social setting yeah uh about gloria graham's personal life yeah, um would you a, care to tell our listeners so, about the love entanglements yeah. that were happening so nicholas ray had his first marriage and he had a son named anthony and they got divorced and Nicholas Ray got with Gloria Graham. But then Gloria Graham also got with Anthony uh, when he was a teenager. It's very much not just gr- gross, but nowadays would be illegal. Um, and <laughs> that caused the divorce. And then mm-hmm. when he became of age, Gloria Graham literally... Oh, wait. First, Gloria Graham had a kid with Nicholas Ray named Timothy. So she had a son... And then was messing around with her son's half-brother, which is, you know. So then Anthony becomes of age and Gloria marries him and has two more sons, Anthony and James. So her first son, Timothy, his two half-brothers, their father is also his half-brother. I'm not sure what the word for that relation is. And I feel mostly bad for Timothy because he did not ask for this. Um, and uh, in all intents and purposes, Gloria and Anthony had a pretty good couple, you know, I think they were together for like 15 years or something and raised their kids. And actually there's a movie coming out right now called May, December. That's kind of about how women in these kind of situations sort of take advantage of lonely teenage boys and like kind of rob them of their childhood. And it's a really beautiful film. Um, Charles Melton's really great in it. That's actually quasi based on the Mary Kay Lynch-Turno case, but I think applies to kind of the situation and what was happening here. Sure. And it's one of those ones where it's really disgusting, but you also, you feel bad for the 
the boys involved. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. makes it for me as someone who was a big Gloria Graham fan, it does make, make it a little hard to watch for work because she's such a brilliant actress. But as a person, I don't know that I, you know, I can't condone <laughs> yeah. her behavior. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Ray obviously couldn't. And um, I don't know if Timothy ever really spoke about it. If I was him, I would have moved really far away and never talked to anybody about this and just gone to therapy. Um, but it's it's definitely one of those, like, you think Hollywood's like this really fucked up place. And then you see that and you're like, wow, it really is. Mm-hmm. It, really it really is. is. So Mariah had this written out like on a tiny little I've post-it had it, now. Yeah, it's on like a <laughs> yeah. diagram. and That's fascinating. Yeah. I- I, I don't like the movie, but I have beautiful mind gifts um, going through my head right now. My mind's yeah. blown about all these people. It's definitely She's great. one of those, you look at it, especially when you look at it diagrammed out and you're like, this is not right. Um, no. And especially viewing it. I mean, that's screwed up. Number one, that like, this is your husband's kid, but looking at it and it's your son's brother like but like looking at it you know uh now you go oh my god why i mean so the most the most controversial thing then was that she was getting with her husband's son it wasn't necessarily his age because yeah right because i mean people get that was happening back then Yeah, yeah that was happening and so for for people who don't know this, like it was not uncommon. Now you get into like grooming and like this kind of stuff, but like it was very common and was not really frowned upon. Um, I mean, or... that's what kind of the plot of Priscilla, the yeah, the Piacoba I mean, movie is coming out. It's the same kind of thing, and you just right. It's it was it, just it was I mean, not even... right, but it was also. No okay totally okay like, and, and it was even accepted, when i was in unfortunately high, yeah, it was more yeah. accepted yeah yeah mm-hmm. even when i was in high school it was not uncommon for like an eighth grader to be dating a, a junior in high school mm-hmm. which yeah. yeah they're still not adult but like it's still like like that's a big deal right yeah or you have someone who might be their third year in college dating a sophomore. A ninth grader or something. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, which, I mean. It's hanky. You go, you know, uh, mm. but now it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, not at all. We should so, not have been doing that. No, no. Yeah, so, imagine um, that happening now. I mean. <laughs> but, I, but it always, like, cracks me up that it's like, that's what everybody was like. How, how dare she, like you know cheat on her husband with his son not oh he was like how old was he, like 15 or something i think like, he was 12 actually oh, which is like really wow okay i think he was like 12 or 13 it's you like 15, really young 15 you're like okay that's really bad 15's bad 12, 12 you're like, is like wow yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um, that's almost as old as november <laughs> yeah i mean i know that, I mean, I know that kills yeah. I, I know that kids were smoking at 12 but like yeah. you know it's, um it's, it's really well that's um, uh that's um, gonna tarnish some of my grand it's a, it, she's fandom. definitely i think one of the hardest like separate the art from the artist kind of people from this yeah this movement in film because that that is it's hard it's hard to if you know that to stomach it um Sorry, but I, and, you know, but then you know you had you, that Aaron. like, did she, oh, it's fine. You no, know, I mean... like, I, how much did she know what she was doing was wrong? Is she actually a pedophile? Like, I don't know yeah. because, like you said, it was common 
for but at the same time and i have to and this is not defending gloria but i have to Mm -hmm. say this men do this shit all the time they did it all the time yeah oh yeah back then is oh yeah 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 it does not make it right for her but like she got lambasted in a way that no man yeah. got lambasted for so look, we just yeah. have to like point that out that there's some like <laughs> sexism there but still mm-hmm. what she did is really straight like, up so she was the, one... the woody allen of her day <laughs> yeah, and... I, I was afraid you were gonna go there Sorry. Uh, no it's okay no i mean the thing is she i really try not wasn't... to ever speak his name because it's like I it know. gets harsh it's... reactions from like either side of that and so it's I'm a like, great Ooh. comparison it really is but yeah. i mean but I'd say she was also a unicorn in the same sense that Bogey was. Like, if you see a Bogey movie and you see a Graham movie and you hear them talk, it doesn't matter how much makeup they, they have on, you know exactly who they are. So I'm actually looking yeah. forward to oh, yeah. seeing Graham in some um, movies now and armed with this information and see. Well, there's not no, like, um, it's not also, like it's going to be on the screen. No me- there was no method acting there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they were who they were, yeah. which right. I think also. like works for me because it's like they're just i don't know it's like the characters are playing are an extension of them and it works so actually you know knowing Mm -hmm. this about graham and then watching her in some in a noir you're like all right you know it just i mean to me it kind of like there's no i mean really the only people that were in the method wasn't even like a really a thing yet but like you have like garfield or like monty cliff yeah. that were mm-hmm. kind of like dabbling with that i mean i know people typically point to garfield as like the like one of the first yeah kind of methody actors but like the mm-hmm. like you have these actors that like they they're not playing the same character every time they're just it's bogey doing a different like, yeah doing bogey he's bogey as this guy he's yeah. bogey as that guy mm, and it exactly totally yeah. works right mm-hmm. um because he's bogey so, he's bogey he's bogey motherfucker <laughs> um so we were hoping to get to crime fiction but we're totally running out of time so what i think we'll do is so mariah so i did try in, to sprinkle it in a little bit you did you, you did. did you yeah. were you were like this movie written by so and so. Um, but what I was thinking is maybe we could throw into the Substack post, maybe if you have like s- recommendations, like yeah. if you want to do like, yeah, like five or ten great. books. Yeah, and we yeah, can yeah. Throw them out there. Like if books. people want to um like set the mood for the month and um and read. And some of them are really, really fast reads. Um, oh yeah, like um, what is it? Uh, Postman always rings twice. Is like ninety eight yes. pages. It's like right, but it's like super fast. Fire ninety eight pages. And then you kind of get the you kind of get the vibe. Um, and then one, um, I'm trying to think. What is one? What's your controversial? I think this is a noir. Take. oh where hmm. uh like eddie disagrees um there was <laughs> or a... just like the or the consensus is like absolutely not that there's no way that's noir and you're like well yeah, i say honestly, it is i buy into this is probably it i buy into it's a wonderful life as noir hmm. 
I it it doesn't actually have like a femme fatale, although it does have a bad girl played by Glory Graham. But it's mostly told in flashback. It's mostly it's about <laughs> it's about the the gloom of World War yep. to um I mean if anyone has is going through the deepest of deepest yeah. existential despair, it, it's it's Jimmy Stewart in this movie. Like and he, in real life. To I the mean, point, yeah. I mean, that, to the point yes. that he thinks it the world would be a better place if he didn't exist. Like what's 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 more depressing than that thought getting there in your life yeah um and so even though it has i think people think uh when they think of it's a wonderful life they think of uh, every time a bell rings an angel gets swings that's literally mm-hmm. the last line exactly there's a two-hour movie and like the first hour is like the D- great depression and like how this man gets stuck in small town america because he's a good dude and he just lets people like helps other people have opportunities. And then 45 minutes of him is him thinking the world would be a better place if he was dead and seeing how bleak it is without that glimmer Mm -hmm. of goodness. So it really is. I think it really is a noir that I think if anybody else had directed it on a happy place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think, I think if you removed Capra, which you can't remove Capra from it because they both have their war experiences there. Mm-hmm. But if that had been, I think, I think Nick it's what Ray happens. Directing that, yeah, I think it's what or, happens when. Yeah. Oh, totally. A, I think it's what happens when a noir is directed by a true romantic in the original sense yes. of of romantic, yes. and so you get all the all the cynicism and all the bleakness. But he is someone who will never not leave you with just a little bit of hope, just a little bit of like right. everything is hopeless. But look at what you did do. Like all those, all of, all of yeah. the thing about Jimmy Stewart's character, which is really, and, yeah, griping about is right. He didn't get to do yeah. the things he wanted to do. The world is a terrible place. Mr. Potter is a freaking terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but the other things are there too. And the thing with noir is well, they, they don't necessarily. Immigrant. That's yeah, yeah. with noir they don't necessarily yeah. show you the flip side of the coin that like yeah everything the world is successful but there's also a little bit of rainbows noir is like no there's no rainbows it denies mm-hmm. the rainbows and the truth is there are always a little bit of rainbows and so this is a noir that's maybe even slightly more honest because it will show you the crap and the fact that there's still a little bit of hope i no matter love how bad this get. take i do too yeah. i love this that's take <laughs> love it there's, there's several really great pieces of writing that have come out in the last five years or so that have talked about it as a noir and as a bleak uh humanist film and, and i i think i know it, it i watch it every christmas eve and i know it's a christmas film but it's truly one of the great humanist films and in all the and talking about the humanity. studio didn't know what the hell they were oh, doing they no. released it in like, it like july. july like they mm. they messed and that movie up they did yeah they didn't get it and then you know and then it kind of languished in this like rights hell forever yeah. where it was just like being played like, and then and they it keep trying to remake it and i'm like leave, yeah leave and they kind of turned it into this cheesy thing and the colorized version is like the colorized whoever did that is not going to the good place yeah it's not (laughs) good and but ultimately it is i mean it is a dark movie and i'm not a huge capra fan um but yeah me neither lost horizons my favorite which is a great movie also has a lot of like you know in it (laughs) but it's a great movie um but it's a wonderful life is up there and now i'm gonna you know what I might watch it this month and be like, it's November, bitches. Let's watch It's a Wonderful Life. And people are going to like be like, 
why are you watching it's, it? It's not time for it gets Christmas. really dark. It Maybe we'll watch it get... in December. Oh, Carrie Noir in over, the, over a little bit. Even the happy side, Uncle Billy has been mourning his wife for 40 years and lives with a squirrel. Like, what's more noir than that? Okay, let's just be honest, though. <laughs> Living with a squirrel sounds really great. Uh, his squirrel um, is so nice. He gives him hugs. But, like, yeah, no, Uncle Billy has literally, like, he is not all there. He's not all there. And... He lives with, he's got squirrels and shit. He fucks everything up. Uncle Billy's a mess. He's grieving his wife. He's grieving his brother. Like, his, he's grieving all kinds of things. He's grieving, he's, he's (laughs) He's grieving it all. (laughs) He, Uncle Billy's like an open wound. I love him. I've watched *Just a Wonderful Life* probably a hundred times. I love this movie. <laughs> we're we're definitely gonna have to circle back to that um, because I don't like Capra yeah, either, gonna... and um, Capricorn is to... not in this movie. So, um, no, it's like everything, every pain that he felt going to war, mm-hmm. it was so raw. You yeah. know, it it just works on. And he'd also yeah. tr- tried the independent film company, and that didn't work out. I think that. If I remember, mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life was supposed to be part of that, but, um, you know, just it kind of fell through. It Republic so. and all kinds yeah, of Columbia yeah. and ooh, just a lot of mess. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Mariah, we, um, I, it's great to meet you. And thank yeah. you so this much. This awesome. is amazing. We can I love seriously talk for like, I know. Forever, I, I like, yeah. but Mariah, okay. So tell us where people can find you. Um, and like and not your physical street address yeah no uh <laughs> please don't come to my house but i have my sub stack it's oldfilmslicker.substack.com i have uh instagram it's also oldfilmslicker and letterboxd which is oldfilmslicker those are the three main ones that i use and also trying to do trying to replace twitter with blue sky with mm-hmm. some success you know the hashtags don't work yet and they don't have gifts so blue sky is like not as you know, rich in media as I enjoy, uh, but I, you know, I'm trying to cultivate there. And then they're, uh, and they're trying there. Yeah. They're, 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 they're going to get, they're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. for Noir Vember, there is the Facebook page that has existed since its inception. And I like to post um, people's blog, blog, um, Noir Vember blog posts there, the podcast that I find, whether I've ever heard of the podcast or not, I put it there and events. So it's kind of the hub for anything that comes on my radar about November that other people are doing. Um, so it's a good place to to just find what other people are writing about or podcasting about or showing if you like that's how, you know, put the Battery Park thing there. And like, cool. I think there's like 50 events or something going around the world right now that yeah. I found. Wow. Um, wow. So, um, it's a pretty big, pretty big year. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll put all these in the show notes and yeah, recommend following Mariah. She's the, yeah. One of the best follow, follows, uh, uh, I think, on, well, I was going to say film Twitter. I don't know what we call it now. Film. Yeah, film. In film s- some social media place that yeah. yet Extra. to be. Film. Film Blue Sky. Um, there's no Tumblr anymore either. Well, I guess there, I'm, there I'm on Tumblr, though. If you do want to follow me on Tumblr, I've never left it. I've had a Tumblr tab open for 15 years. Nice. <laughs> nice. She's still running Tumblrs. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never quit. Oh, never that quit. old thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I started that. I've been yeah. running. Oh, yeah. That's got four hundred and seventy-two thousand followers. Yeah. I've got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mariah owns that site. I'll, I'll never leave. Yeah, Tumblr that's awesome. Until they shut it down. Until they pull the plug and the tumble beasts eat it. So that that's an Easter egg for old Tumblr users. 
<laughs> when they take it from your cold dead hands, right? Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, it's been great. So thanks so much. Yeah.